Welcome to Earth Matters, environmental justice stories from Australia and around the world. Produced at the studios of 3CR on Wurundjeri country in Fitzroy, Victoria, and broadcast to songlands across this continent via the Community Radio Network. I'm Tisha Nahern. This whole mining issue is being spun as a, you know, as a solution to climate change when it's really not. And it's based on the most aggressive form of, of capitalism uh, there is. You know, we'll take your land, we'll ruin your future forever, and we'll take the resource that we want, and uh, we'll leave you with basically nothing. The important thing to realise is that this actual conference is an, a networking opportunity, and a lot of financing comes out of this conference with various sort of exploration projects and what have you, it's an opportunity for them to network and actually finance one another's activities. So it's an opportunity to call that out and disrupt that in the best way that we can. Mining is at the forefront of climate change and the opposition to it is at the nexus of Indigenous and environmental struggles. A prime example of this is Ecuador. It's one of the most biodiverse countries on Earth but its people and environment are under threat as mining companies, many of them Australian, are swooping in. Anthony Amos is from the Melbourne Rainforest Action Group. I started by asking Anthony what has made Ecuador the latest target for international miners. For many years, the, the Ecuadorian government opposed mining, um, uh, large-scale mining, that is, in, in the country. And um, basically, in the last few years, as a result of oil revenue drying up, uh, they've had to sort of to desperately clamber for, um, for access uh, for, uh, for mining companies to enter the, enter the country. Um, Ecuador's interesting in that it hasn't had a history of, of mining before, uh, large-scale mining, uh, that is. So what our concerns are is that the, is the country's woefully um, unprepared for, for, for what's going to happen there. And um, you've only got to look at what's happened in Chile and Peru over the last few decades, um, and there's been all sorts of, all sorts of problems in, in, in those countries, and we can see uh, history uh, repeating itself in, in Ecuador. Um, the issue, the main issue with Ecuador too, is that um, under their constitution, uh, the rights of nature are guaranteed. So essentially, what that means is communities uh, have to more or less uh, agree to, to proposals um, happening on land. And um, right across the country now, we're seeing an upswell of, of communities opposing uh, these mining developments. Um, and why we're interested in Ecuador is, is that um, the two biggest countries with the biggest mining uh, presence in, in uh, Ecuador are Australia and, and Canada. And so uh, that's why we got interested um, in the issue, because we wanted to uh, better understand and expose the activities of the Australian companies that are um, looking to, to uh, set up these mega mines in Ecuador. So what are the environmental and human effects of the proposed and current mining in Ecuador? Well, uh, to give it a bit of history, um, Australia has a... Well, uh, there was a group called the Rainforest Inf Information Centre that helped 
set up a rainforest reserve in northern Ecuador back in the late 1980s. Uh, the reserve uh, is called uh, Los Cedros. And um, a guy called John Seed, with funding from the Australian government, um, set up to protect this um, this really important area. It's, it contains cloud forest. Um, it's on the eastern side of the Andes, and it's some of the most biodiverse uh, forests on, on, on the planet. Um, so about two years ago, uh, there have been some activities on the boundaries of of the of, of the reserve and the um, and some of the people at the reserve uh, feared it was small-scale um, miners and loggers and they did a bit more research and then lo and behold they found that it wasn't just um, Los Cedros that was that was threatened with mining it was um, almost a third of, of 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 the country had been opened up to mining concessions in the past couple of years and a lot of these mining concessions are on the lands of indigenous people and um, a lot of the concessions are also in very um, important uh, water catchment areas and also areas that contain very diverse uh, tropical rainforests. So um, that's essentially how we got involved, was essentially uh, looking at, at the mining issue at Los Angeles. And we thought, God, if, if this could happen, if this mining is, could go underway in, uh, in Los Angeles, it could go underway anywhere in the country. And just picking up on that, so what is it that makes Ecuador so unique uh, in terms of environmental value? Well, in terms of, of, of the forest values, um, as, I, as I mentioned before, it's got some of the most uh, you know, biodiverse uh, rainforests on, on the planet. I mean, you're looking at hundreds of species, not just you know, on, uh, in a thousand hectares, but you know, per tree, basically. So there's hundreds of hundreds of species, um, uh, hundreds of thousands of species at Los Cedros. Um, scientists are still just trying to document what, what what's what's going on. The, the other thing uh, issue about Ecuador too is the eastern side of of, of the country is, is in the headwaters of the Amazon, and so um, any activities uh, you know in in the headwaters of the Amazon could have big impacts downstream. And already we've got we've had the bad news that a Chinese mine has is, is basically started to mine um, at a place called Mirador. Uh, there were some assassinations of the local community um, a few years ago to get this mine over the line, and and um, they're building a tailings dam uh, on one of the major tributaries of the Amazon. Uh, it's 250 metres high, and um, you know the the next highest tailings dam. Uh, anywhere else in the world is only 90 metres high, and, and we all know what, what happened to the tailings dam. Um, you know, uh, well, there's been two major accidents in in Brazil in the last few years, and so to have a, a mine of this size with a tailings dam in an earthquake-prone area in the headwaters of the Amazon, uh, it's really looking for trouble. And that particular a, a tributary flows um, in, into Peru as well, and then um, into Brazil. So um, the issue with the Samarco mine in Brazil back in 2015, uh, the one owned by BHP, uh, that basically uh, uh, destroyed 650 kilometres of river. And if something like uh, if this if this mirror if this mirador dam goes down, or there's problems there, or earthquakes, or whatever, um, we could be looking at potentially thousands of kilometres of of, Am- of Amazon, uh, you know, a river being impacted. Um, with untold um, 
consequences to the people living downstream who who, who rely on, on on these waterways and and also the countless animals that rely on on the river as well. Who has been affected by these mining concessions? Well, well, the one at Mirador, and there's another one close by that's opening this year called Fruta del Norte, which is um, partly owned by the Australian mining company Newcrest. Uh, that's the uh, ancestral land of the Shua people, and um, they've been objecting to mining in, in in their country for you know for for years now, and. Um, the impacts there are already being felt. There's been um, communities uh, basically dislodged. Uh, there's, there's been um, a, lo- a lot of problems within within the intertribal groups, and there's all sorts of all sorts of issues with um, outsiders coming into work at the mines, and then the flow-on social effects that occur in these um, in, in these pretty much pristine areas. You know, when when these big mining operations come in, so. So the Shua people have got, as I said, two two major mines, which are uh, which are the only two major mines operating in Ecuador. One opened this year, and another one later in the year. So um, they've really got their backs against the wall over there, and uh, that's the Shua people. And there's there's a whole range of in, uh, of indigenous tri- tribes throughout Ecuador, of course. And uh, an, another community we're really worried about is in the north of the country. Uh, on the border of Colombia and Ecuador, uh, the Awa people. Some of their uh, lands are under concession by Australian mining company Solgold and also I think Gina Reinhardt's company, um, Hanrein, have some concessions over Awa land as well. And that's totalling almost 14% of Indigenous land under mining concessions, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So there was no, there was no consultation. This was was played out with the upper echelons of, of, of the Ecuadorian government with no consultation with the people. Uh, the only consultation that appears to have happened is, is, is with, with the mining companies themselves. Um, and we know, for instance, that the Twiggy Forest and Gina Reinhardt, which are the, um, the wealthiest miners in Australia, were over there having meetings in 2016, 2017, so this has been been set up. It's 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 a really bad scenario that, that's unfolding, and uh, yeah, look, Australian companies are up to the eyeballs in it. Uh, the Australian company with the most concessions is a is a Brisbane exploration company called Solgold. Now Solgold um, have been around for about fifteen twenty years. Uh, their CEO and uh, brainchild is a, is a guy called Nick Mather. Now, he was also uh, one of the main catalysts of, of, of opening up coal mining in, in the Galilee Basin in Queensland. So he, his company, Waratah Resources, was actually um, they were pushing ahead to mine coal out of the Galilee Basin uh, about 10 years ago, and, and they were snapped up by Clive Palmer. So um, Solgold has, has got over 70 concessions from the north of Ecuador right through to the south, and uh, at the moment, there's all sorts of uh, protests emerging. There's all sorts of um, a, a dissent as the communities finally realise that you know their their communities are um, under great risk from these operations. Already, there's helicopters flying over, you know, doing the seismic um, sort of mapping, um, and that's causing alarm in these communities. Um, these communities don't want mining foisted on them and they're left in a situation where their backs are against the wall. So 
all they can really do is resist and organise and try to stop these these companies like Solgold from operating and, and destroying their futures, essentially. You're listening to Earth Matters, environmental justice stories on the Community Radio Network. Today, we're hearing from Anthony Amos about the disastrous effects of mining in Ecuador and what the Melbourne Rainforest Action Group are doing to support communities who are opposing it. How are Indigenous and other peoples resisting the mining and exploration in Ecuador? Well, there's been a number of protests throughout the country, uh, particularly over the last uh, year or so. Under the Constitution, there has to be consultation, and um, there's been a couple of um, mines that have actually been stopped um, through the the opposition of of local people. Um, a really interesting one was a, a, a mine called Rio Blanco, which was owned by a Chinese company. That was objected by the local people, and they actually uh, got the mine stopped. And that was um, just starting to to operate. So the Chinese owners of that mine aren't very impressed. You can imagine uh, the pressure that's going on. Uh, There was was blockades. There was um, one of the mining camps was... It was set fire to... uh, There's been all sorts of activities going on throughout the country, and and it's only the warm-up. I mean... um, in right across the country now, it's, it's it's basically ready to to go off. I think only a couple of weeks ago there was there was a meeting which we helped fundraise for happened in Quito. So there was about uh, thirty to fifty activists from around the country met there to discuss how how they were going to um, to deal with these companies. Um, a lot of them were were under the pump from from Soul Gold, as, as as I've mentioned. And only two weeks ago in the Intag Valley, which is in, in the north of the country, there was a, uh, another very big meeting. I think there was about 1,800 people turned up to that one, and our, our little group also helped fundraise to help that event happen as well. So uh, our, we see our role is, is filling in the other uh, details of who these companies are. We provide reports. You know, those reports are translated into Spanish and then, the, and then they're, they're sent through to people on the ground so at least they can get a better grasp of who they're dealing with. I mean, um, one case was um, even the Ecuadorian media had no idea about a company called Hanrine. And um, it was our work, really, that uncovered that Hanrine was, was none other than Gina Reinhardt. She'd bought some, some big concessions in the north of the country in, back in 2017, uh, what happened then was, uh, at the same time that happened, there was a gold rush happened on her mining concession, and within about a month or so of, um, of her getting the concession, 10,000 illegal miners had, a, had arrived on their land, and they were basically um, mining that, that concession for about 18 months. Uh, this is gold mining. And um, local, uh, there, was, there was mafia involved, there was um, all sorts of problems that, that happened. There were a few murders there, and uh, as a result of, of the murders, and also a meeting that Hanrein had set up with, with the president of, of, of Ecuador, um, the, the Ecuadorian government sent in 2,000 troops to clear out the site, and this, this happened in, in July. You know, this is Australia's richest person, and there's all this chaos going on 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 her concession. Now, her concession is where all the all the troubles were is only only ten kilometres away from this this mega mine that Solgold want to construct at a place called Cascabel. 
and Cascabel is located in very close proximity to the Colombian border, and there's been all sorts of transgressions and 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 you know organised crime and uh, and you name it uh, flowing in over the border from Colombia into Ecuador, and so to to build a mega mine that sold gold are planning in the um, such a, a a really troublesome area is 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 not a good look. And just on that one, BHP and Newcrest are, are also major owners of this big development at, at Cascabel. And what we, we're trying to do is pull the rug from under that development by, you know, exposing the security risks that are, that are going to happen by um, having such a, a huge development in such a precarious location. The Melbourne Rainforest Action Group has been doing a lot of work, as you've said, uh, in terms of research and sharing information and also fundraising. For people here in Australia who are concerned about what's happening in Ecuador, what can they do and how can they get involved to take action? Uh, they, they can get involved with us. We've got our website on, on the internet. They can contact us through there. Or if people really want to help, and this is how I see our, our main role in Australia is to help organise funding so that and the money goes directly to the communities that are impacted on the ground in Ecuador. And none of our group is on a wage, so uh, every bit of money raised goes goes straight to where, where the where the money's needed. And those two big meetings that, that I mentioned uh, that just happened in Quito and in, in, and in the north of the country in the Intag Valley... Um, yeah, we threw in a few thousand dollars to that, and that goes a very long way in in um, in, in Ecuador. Well, we've got a fundraiser uh, on a platform called Fund My Planet, and you do a search there, and it's for save Ecuador's rainforests from mining, and and people can pledge whatever they feel like. And I, I think that's our main role at the moment. Um, uh, the other thing, what we're trying to do is is to uh, Build up our little our group a little bit and uh, and get more involved with direct actions. So we'll be involved with Lock Aid, I might. Anthony Amos of the Melbourne Rainforest Action Group. To find out more and to get involved, go to rainforestactiongroup.org. From Ecuador to Australia, miners, their financiers and governments are determined to destroy this planet in their pursuit of profit. Descending on Melbourne this October 28th to 31st is the International Mining and Resources Conference, or IMARC. Maria Supoz is a spokesperson for the Blockade IMARC Alliance, who are organising a mass civil disobedience protest against the conference. I started by asking Maria who's involved, and why they're targeting IMARC. 
The Alliance is a coalition of various groups. There's representatives from the Latin American Solidarity Network, um, MASOL, which is the Mapuche Aboriginal Struggles for Indigenous Land, Frontline Action on Coal, um, Animal Activists Australia, and many other groups that are involved. I guess in an environment when police repression against activists is increasing from the state and the police, to my understanding, it's actually the first time that all these groups actually work together for one particular event. So I think um, there's history being made in, in this particular event. You know, at the essence, we're just a coalition of concerned citizens that are effectively concerned about the climate emergency and... Uh, blockading the conference. We, we see the conference as a who's who of climate criminals um, and it's really an opportunity to take a stand against business as usual. You say taking a stand against business as usual. That's something that's become a bit of a rallying cry. Uh, we heard that around the recent school strike for climate. Why do you think this is an important and effective tactic? I guess on the back of the student um, climate strikes um, and the marches that have happened globally where, you know, millions of people have actually participated in, in the strikes and um, obviously Rebellion Week that's coming up with Extinction Rebellion. On the back of all of these, I think it's really building towards a perfect storm of activism, if you like, and and leading into the conference, you know, at the end of October, um, it's it's really an opportunity to disrupt that in a non-violent way, civil disobedience, um, and and take a stand against practices that we see as destroying the planet and all of the life and habits on the planet. So I think it's a really important step in the right direction. Um, and, you know, there's a time and place for holding posters and, and you know, lobbying the government and all of that. And we've done that. We've tried that. And I think it's, um, it's really taking that next step. Um, support has been coming from all over the world, from South America, the Philippines, international activists have been supporting the blockade. And, um, yeah, I think it's really an opportunity to shed the light on what these um, these companies are doing and how they're destroying the planet. And I think the important thing to realise is that this actual conference is an, a networking opportunity and a lot of financing comes out of this conference with various sort of exploration projects and what have you. It's an opportunity for them to network and actually finance one another's activities. So it's an opportunity to call that out and disrupt that in the best way that we can. Now, planning is still underway for the blockade of, of IMARC. Mm -hmm. How can people get involved if they're in Melbourne and also what if they're out of town or interstate? So um, we've actually put a call out for people that are interstate that may want to travel to Melbourne for the event to try and assist with accommodation and what have you. And uh, if you're based in Melbourne, there's um, organising meetings happening every Sunday leading up to the event. Um, uh, 2pm this particular Sunday at RMIT. So there's details on our Facebook page, on our website. So the website's blockadeimark.com. The Facebook page is Blockade IMARC. Um, and you can see the event details there as well. So I guess we'd really love for people to join us, attend an organising meeting, follow the Facebook page and, and try and get to the actual blockade at 6am daily from the 28th of October to the 31st. Maria Supas from the Blockade IMARC Alliance.
To find out more and to get involved, go to blockadeimark.com. You've been listening to Earth Matters, Community Radio's National Environmental Justice Program. I'm Tisha Nahern. The music featured on today's show is Dirty Dollar by Kev Carmody. If you missed any of today's show, you can find our podcasts at 3cr.org.au forward slash earthmatters. Or if you're listening via iTunes or any other podcasting service, why not rate us and leave a review? It helps spread the word. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their financial support and the Community Radio Network for getting the program out to you. Earth Matters is produced in the studios of 3CR in Melbourne on Wurundjeri Country. If you'd like to get in contact, you can send us an email at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or send us a letter, care of 3CR. And don't forget to check out our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter. I hope you can tune in next time for more Earth Matters. Thank you.